Hey everyone, thanks for downloading this episode of the Tour Junkies podcast where we interview three-time PGA Tour winner and fellow Georgia Bulldog, Brendan Todd, on this one. This is a funny one. We're going to talk about how he pissed off his college coach while gambling. He's going to give you tips on how to hit more fairways. We're going to talk about the PGA Tour coaching carousel, which PGA Tour player has the nickname Cockbite, uh, as well as people who'd want to be quarantined with and not be quarantined with, and guys he hates to play with and streaking at the University of Georgia. This is a really fun episode presented by our friends at FantasyNational.com. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash TJ and get any level subscription, weekly, monthly, or annually, you get 20% off your subscription for the lifetime of that account. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash TJ, it is the place where we look up all our PGA Tour stats, course history, records, everything you need to know is all right there on Fantasy National. So be sure and check that out. And without any further ado, here is Brendan Todd. We're the tour, 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 tour junkies. PGA Tour fanatics, golf addicts, podcast juice, you gotta have it. Special guest, DFS, DB, and them long shots. From Augusta to Sawgrass, we got your picks, we got your stats. Catch a bus, catch a last, sip some rose with Pat. What's up, golf addicts? David Barnett here of the Tour Junkies. I got Pat Perry with me. And actually, on tonight's podcast, uh, it's it's something that's happened a few times. There are three of us, and all three of us are damn good dogs, is what we are right now. We, we have former UGA golfer and fellow damn good dog, Brendan Todd, joining the podcast tonight. Brendan, what's up, my man? Welcome to the Tour Junkies. Go dogs! Go dogs! That's right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, always good to talk to some bulldogs, and you know, there's so many of y'all that are so good at golf. It's it's uh, for us, me and Pat being big Georgia guys. It's the best you know podcast genre we could have got in because you know there's just so many good golfers that come out of UGA, um, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Now ranked like 54th in the world, won the Mayakoba, won the Bermuda over the fall, three PGA Tour victories. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're living in Atlanta now, I guess. Is that right? You got a wife and kids just oh, living the dream. I live, I live in Watkinsville, Georgia, which is uh, a suburb right outside Athens. So I'm, I'm 12 minutes to campus. I oh. practice with the UGA golf team all the time. And, uh, it's great to be back here in dog country. I've been here about four years ever since we had our, uh, our first child in Atlanta, we decided to move back and get a little more, uh, relaxed atmosphere uh to raise our kids in that is awesome we'll get to some uga talk here in just a little bit um i mean right now we're talking during this whole covid19 quarantine that we're all on um you know what are what are you doing to pass the time i mean you got at least what like eight or nine weeks off before you can play a pga tour event for now um right you know and and uh you're at home with the wife and kids like what are you guys doing man we are just uh filling the days entertaining the kids keeping them fed rested um trying to explore you know just some different things outside different sports do some hikes um you know with athens being shut down and uh, the university sports uh, ending their seasons you know we can't go to the UGA baseball games like we like to go to we already went to the first game and um, so that's a bummer for us but it really feels like a summer off week for us where the kids yeah. aren't in school and I don't have to practice a ton maybe because you know the summer gets pretty busy so your off weeks are spent hanging with the family so it's just kind of summer off week on repeat and it looks like we've got at least eight more in a row, uh, which is unfortunate, but there's a lot of people out there that are struggling worse than we are. So we're just trying to enjoy it as a family, uh, stay healthy and um, have some fun. So how many kids do you have and what are, what are the ages and all that? Yeah, we have three kids. I'm a wife, Rachel and I, and we have a son, a five-year-old son, Oliver, who's really into golf and baseball and basketball Awesome. Um, I've taken him out to walk nine holes twice this week. We've had a blast. And then I've got a three-year-old daughter named Scarlett and a one-year-old daughter named Violet. Oof. 
Bro, those are some those busy times. I mean, those are some ages it's hectic, to be it's quarantined around here. <laughs> Brendan, I gotta, I gotta ask, um, and, and this may end up being edited out, but I just want to know when you're <laughs> you know, around Watkinsville, where are you playing golf? Because you know, when I was in Athens, um, I think Lane you know, we Creek. played. Yeah, we played Lane Creek. Have you ever? Do you still play out there? I've played it one time in my life, um, <laughs> and it was actually last year. With just a couple, uh, couple older guys that wanted to take me out to play golf, so we met up there. But I play. I'm a member of Athens Country Club, which is a oh, great yeah, Donald Ross course. Oh yeah, three nines, holes. right? Good. Yeah. yeah, three nines. Good family membership. Um, the funny part is that uh, it was um, it was renovated by. I've got to look the guy's name up, but it was renovated by this guy that I'd never heard of. And I had my teacher in town, Bradley Hughes, and this was last fall. And we're making fun of this architect. You know, we're like, who's this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, we look him up. He coincidentally, he, he renovated Athens Country Club. He renovated East Lake. He, um, he designed his course in Greenville Holly Tree. He designed Augusta National's Par 3 course. And it, I hate it that I can't remember his name, oh but it was God. like, we could, we were blown away by this guy. We're like, man, this guy's nothing, but he's, uh, you know, he's done some pretty good work. Um, so I played Athens Country Club, Jennings Mill, and the UGA golf course. So we've got a few good uh, golf courses around here. Wow. I mean, I just still can't wrap my mind. I mean, I got three kids too, but five, three, and one, that's got to be pretty tough. Um you know, you got a lot of people, a lot of listeners of ours, obviously everybody's stuck in their homes, bored to death. And a lot of us, you know, if, if you're listening to our podcast, you're a pretty big golf nut. Have you gotten mm-hmm. into like, I mean, have you sat around and thought about, okay, you know, maybe I do like some trick shots in the house with the kids, or maybe I do like, we've seen other athletes mention on social media that they're, you know, their agents are telling them to do this on social or, um, you know, you got Rory and Billy Horschel yeah. leading the Peloton charge. Is there anything come come to your oh mind that God. you're thinking <laughs> that you're thinking you need to get on? Not really, man. I try to keep a pretty low profile. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I hear uh, you. you know, fortunately, fortunately, my agents don't push too much social media stuff. I mean, I did get an email from the tour uh, asking if I wanted to post what I'm doing in the community and whatnot, but. Uh, I mean, as you guys know, when, when you've got three little kids, it's you basically are trying to keep your phone on the kitchen counter and, you know, keep your eyes on them as much as you can. And, um, you know, I, I really only started my, my social media Instagram account this past winter just to, you know, the tour kind of asked me to after I played well and had some sponsors that were interested. So I try to keep the posts uh, fairly politically correct and, um, try and stay out of the news with social media. I got a little rambunctious on Twitter the last few years and you know, it's, it's a fun outlet. It really is. I like it, but I'm so much happier not staring at, at social media on my phone 24 seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'd rather be that's outside good. shooting hoops, fishing with the kids, playing baseball in the backyard, um, you know, going to get ice cream or, uh, you know, frozen ice or something than sitting there, trying to do a Peloton challenge with Billy Horschel, who's my uh, shark shootout partner, but he's a Florida Gator, you know. We're going yeah. to let him do his thing. Oh, God. You, you teamed up with him? I know. That? I mean, Billy's been on the show, and we, we love uh... – I was just happy to get in, man. Grant Snedeker <laughs> withdrew with a hand injury. I was the next guy in line, so I was like, heck yeah, let's go. I guess we'll let that slide, being with the Gator. I guess yeah. we'll let that slide. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned Bradley Hughes. We we actually got a chance to meet Bradley uh, at the uh, at the Players Championship. Just a, what feels like three years ago it was only a week ago. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. he's he's a coach who's gotten gotten some attention. A lot of that is, is I think, due to you and your success. Um, I, I was going to get a little technical here in in the first uh, first few questions, and I promise we'll get away from that. But what? How did you get hooked up with Bradley? And and um, you know, what are kind of the most important things that you've been able to do now with him that that's really led to your your tremendous success here lately yeah so I mean I had never heard of him until the summer of 2018 and I'm on the range at UGA 
and one of the members of our 2005 national championship team, David Denham, who I practice with a fair bit here in town, um, was hitting balls next to me, and we talked about the swing some, and he said, you should go online and watch Bradley Hughes' golf videos. He does some really good lower body stuff. And I'm like, okay, sure. So I checked it out, went on his website. I watched some of his videos, and I saw he had an ebook. And I went on vacation uh, to Santa Rosa Beach with my wife's family. And I read the book in like three days. I went out to one of the ranges down there and hit some balls and was like, man, this stuff feels really good. And, you know, I've been, that was my, 2018 was my third year of searching. You know, I was my second year without good status on the tour and I was struggling. So, you know, I'd been through a couple of teachers at that point and was looking for another one. And um, so I went and got a lesson with them. I went and played the Reno event. I missed the cut. The season was a wash for me. But he had some really good drills. Um, he basically boils the golf swing down into, you know, a handful of drills that he thinks can help just about anybody put their golf swing together. And he he designed them, you know, from his own playing ability because he was a heck of a player, two-time Australian Masters champion, President's Cup member in 94. So a really good ball striker. And he – really helped me, um, you know, as I had some time off that fall, just put together a little bit of like a practice plan at home where I didn't have to go practice a lot, but I could work on some drills that would kind of bleed into my golf swing. And, yeah, they really worked because when I came back out in the fall, went to second stage of Q school, I missed by two shots. I shot a final around 63, and then I went to the RSM qualifier and shot 61 to qualify. So it was pretty pretty fast that the, the drills worked for me because those are my first two starts back and I put together a couple of great rounds. So, but what happened with me is I've always been somebody who likes to open the face on the way back and square it back up on the way down. I lean towards a fade and, you know, as anybody who fades the ball knows when you get a little sloppy or nervous or whatever, you probably are going to overcut it. And on tour that can be kind of dangerous. So, as I was playing the big events in 2014 and 15 and 16 and maybe, you know, not playing my, my best, um, you know, I had a teacher at the time and, you know, we decided to close my club face going back, which is a move I've never really done. And I learned how to hold it off. And then when that stopped working and I started opening the face going back, I was still holding it off and I started hitting it white right. So with Brad, you know, he's his, first drill is actually one where you work on hitting an impact bag from an open shallow position and you square the face up really hard with your hands and your forearms. And he's a big believer in, um, you know, using the hands and forearms to hit the golf ball and square the face. And, um, that was really the missing ingredient for me ever since I, I spent some time closing the club face going back and losing that ability to square the face coming down. Nobody had really, noticed it in my swing and said, Hey, you're holding the face off too much. You've got to learn how to square it back up until him. And that was, that was yeah. the biggest adjustment. Everything else has kind of been window dressing. What this, this is, this just popped in my head here. When you're thinking about, you know, for a tour pro and you're going through these different coaches, you mentioned that you had kind of tried a few different guys. Like, mm-hmm. is it, is it any different, do you think for a tour pro versus a, a regular player like me and Pat who are, you know, eight handicaps that want to be better and are also mm-hmm. trying to like get coaching or whatever, do you think it's any right. different? The the reason why you try a guy and then, and then you're like, nah, you know, I'm not really a fan. Like wh- what were those reasons for you? And then do you think that it's any different being a tour pro versus being somebody like us? All right, guys, I'm sure you're enjoying this episode so far. Before we get back to it, I I need you to know one thing. You do not have to go broke to avoid going bald. Some of you out there are going bald. Pat possibly is one of those people, all right? And our friends at Keeps now have two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. And you may have tried them before, but you've probably never tried them at this price. And here's the thing about Keeps. It's about prevention. Prevention is key. So it's not, oh my God, I've gone bald, let me go fix it. It's, I want to prevent going bald, and they're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. So the sooner you start using the Keeps, the more hair you'll save. So you need to act now. 
and and they've revolutionized the way that that men are treated for hair loss. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office to get a hair loss prescription. You can visit our doctors online, get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. You don't have to be in the embarrassing waiting lines or pharmacies or all that kind of stuff. So it's discreet and it's done from home and they've got a ton of five-star reviews, more than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trusting Keeps for their hair loss medication. So here's what you can do. For a limited time, you can get your first month free using Keeps and using our promo code. So all you got to do is go to keeps.com slash tourjunkies, and you get your first month of treatment for free to give it a shot. That's keeps.com slash tourjunkies, K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash tour junkies to go ahead and get that first month free treatment. Thank us later. Save your hair. Now back to Brendan Todd. Golf instruction is a lot of word of mouth or word of what you experience when you play with another player who's maybe doing something you'd like to do. And so I think that's a teacher's number one tool is having good word of mouth and having players that go play well and um, kind of show off what they've done for them. So whether you're a tour player looking for your next coach or you're an amateur, you're probably going to go work with the guy that your friends see and who's playing well or the last guy who just drummed you in a match. Right. So, yeah, you know, for me, it was kind of the same scenario. It was like, I went and saw Kiz's coach. Then I went and saw, Scott Hamilton's buddy, who was my previous coach. And then I went and saw, you know, another guy who was um, teaching my friend who was, who was doing a good job. And, you know, it's not that any of those teachers weren't doing what they were supposed to do or weren't giving me good information, but the timing of it maybe was wrong. Like maybe, maybe I was playing too many tournaments or I didn't have enough time to work on it or, or maybe it just wasn't the right information for me. And I think that's the biggest thing. Most good players, if you're from anybody who's like a, a low handicap to a tour player, it really comes down to is it the right information for you at that time? Because, like I said, like I'm somebody who likes to kind of rotate the face and square it back up. Well, some guys like to shut the face and hold it off. So, those two players are almost never going to be able to go to the same teacher and succeed. I don't care what a teacher says, how good they think they are and how they're going to, you know, they think they can teach multiple types of players. They can only if that player is already hitting it good. Like if, if you take a teacher and you send four guys to them who already are hitting a good enough confidence, sure, they're going to teach yeah. them and be fine because they're basically just going to line them up straight and stay out of the way. They're going to video their swing when it's good, and they're going to say, okay, this is what's different right now from when you were hitting it good. Let's make this adjustment. They don't have to put their – whole philosophy into the guy. But if you go when you're lost and you're struggling, you don't have confidence, you're pretty much going to adopt everything that teacher believes in. Well, if that teacher believes in the opposite philosophy that you're used to doing, it's probably not going to work. So right now, Brendan, what's the best part of your game? Uh, driving accuracy and scrambling. Okay. Yeah, we, we walked, uh, I guess we walked a few holes with you when we were walking uh, with JT Poston and, and Fleener mm-hmm. on, uh, on Tuesday. And um, I do remember, <laughs> in particular, I remember, well, I mean, you and, you and JT, neither one of y'all missed the fairway. And I know it was a Tuesday practice round, but you didn't <laughs> miss the fairway. But I do remember, in particular, the number eight, the part, the long par three, um, yeah. first of all, just standing back there on the tee, looking at Pat going, geez, this is such a long golf hole for a par three. I see you hit two shots. You hit two off the tee. I think you hit one in the bunker on the right. And then you hit one mm-hmm. short, right? Uh, like yeah. not, not in a trap. Um, yeah, like freaking, front fairway. yeah, you've, you hit both of those. You hit the bunker shot and the chip shot, a, a sum total of like three feet. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, damn that. That's why. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's uh, he's where he is." Um, so I was I was thinking you would say short. You would say short game. I was going to ask you this yeah. with with back to the the weekend warrior stuff. All right, so take the best parts of your game: the accuracy and the and the short mm-hmm. game. What is something that the weekend warrior like us can do or work on practically? One thing, or like, what's your go-to thing? I know you're not a coach or anything like that, but what's your go-to thing? 
that you would pass down the best thing that Brendan Todd does to the, the schmuck listening to this podcast that, that just heard you say, damn, I can't hit a fairway and I, I chunk every chip. You know what I mean? Like, what would you pass on? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think when, it, when you're talking about driving accuracy, I'd say the best drivers of the golf ball are really neutral. You know, they, they set up pretty square and they deliver the face really square. Um, you know, it's not about hitting up on at six or hitting down on at five or swinging in to out or out to in. You know, it's sort of a neutral shot. It's like a Steve Stricker. Like you feel like you feel like Iron Byron. You know, so mm. you want to you want to set up to a driver um, with some good fundamentals. So whether you have a mirror in your house or you need to use some alignment sticks, I mean, you've got to get some good lines. So some of the keys to being a good driver of the golf ball or having um, that set up, I would say having your shoulders um, pointing down your target line. So your target line is going to be, you know, somewhere towards the center of the fairway, right center, left center. Um, <clears throat> having your shoulders point there at address because that gives you, your, like, that's your baseline neutral that you can return to. So you can put a stick on the ground, um, kind of, that you're trying to match your shoulders up to. And then I like, I think a ball position stick is really important. So I like to see the golf ball kind of inside the left heel. And I like the shoulders down the middle of the fairway. And then the, the whole purpose of hitting a driver straight is to return the club head back and brush that golf ball off the tee in a very neutral fashion. So you want it kind of coming in very level you want to strike the golf ball in the middle of the head. And that's why I always tell my five-year-old son, I'm like, I'm like, buddy, you've got to hit the ball in the middle of the face. I said, if you hit it on the heel or the toe, it's going to go crooked. All that matters, it does not matter how hard you swing. It doesn't matter if it, what direction you swing. It's got to be hit in the center. So one drill of driving is you could kind of put sticks on each side of the golf ball, like railroad tracks. Um, both kind of pointing down the middle of the fairway, one on each side of the golf ball. Yeah. And you're just going to take the driver back and bring it back down and try and swing that club right in between those railroad tracks, hit the ball in the middle of the face. I would say, you know, start with your 70% swing on the range, flush those 70 percenters, then build up to 80%, then build up to 90%, and reserve that 100% swing for down the road, you know, after you feel like you've really mastered um, hitting the ball square and center on the on the face so that's wow. that's my that's probably my number one tip with driving short games um you know more of a it kind of depends on what kind of shots you like to hit, whether you like to run the ball or pitch the ball up in the air but it's it's very similar you know i mean in order to hit a good pitch shot you've got to kind of be able to brush the ball off the ground and, and pinch it so you can put just a little bit of amount of spin on the ball and you can control the amount of run out, you know, Ray Floyd and Jim Furyk love to run the ball. Um, other guys like Phil Mickelson love to fly the ball to the hole and spin it. So I'm not going to say one way is better than the other. Cause all those guys are great, but you've kind of kind of figure out what's your style, what shot do you see? And then, you know, go find a way to practice it at your chipping green. I mean, there's nothing better for your short game than putting in the time and sometimes putting in, Two hours a day on your chipping, three days in a row might not pan out the next round, but the following week it probably will. Mm, that's a good word people need to hear, I think. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. easy to get frustrated after you put in some hours. Yeah. Me and my buddy, me and my friend, we're you know, coming up. We used to always talk about how we'd, we'd work so hard on our short game. We'd go out and we'd play. It would chip bad, and then we'd be like, it was always like the second week, and it would just click, and you'd be <laughs> – stuff in every pitch shot and you're like man why is that and I think it's just some of that muscle memory and kind of getting out of your own way all right so I've got a few questions for you we're, we're gonna um I want to talk a little bit of masters and then I'm going to get into some listener questions with you here Brennan but mm -hmm. you know obviously um I know you were looking forward to playing the masters this year I think it was was it 2015 no the last time you played um yeah the only time I played was 2015 yeah, and, and so I know you were looking forward to getting back, and obviously it's it's been postponed. The rumor is that, that it may be in October, 
Um, have you heard anything from other players or connections on, on a possible date with the postponement? And, um, you know, what are your kind of thoughts right, right now on that and, and what might take place with the Masters this year? I have not heard from any members um, what will happen. I only heard the, the statements from Fred that everybody knows where he said it would be, it would be postponed at this time. Um, I haven't talked to many players about it and the little rumor I've heard, and that this is just from, you know, the people we had a house rented with in Augusta for the tournament this year, they're like, well, you know, the drive chip putt's been announced for October 5th and there's some rumors going around. It could be, you know, the week following that. And my initial reaction was like, these people are crazy. They're just trying to keep my money. Um, but I did, I have heard that the, some of the hotels in Augusta have, I think, cleared their books for that week, um, trying to reserve rooms in case the Masters does get announced. So, I mean, in, in some respects, that's positive, right? At least yeah. there's some people around the area that are hopeful that maybe have heard word that we don't know because we don't live there or I don't live there. Um, and that's positive. However, from my standpoint, <clears throat> you're, this, this would require Augusta National to play the Masters in the fall um, with Bermuda conditions, mm-hmm. which hasn't happened in a lot of years, and have two Masters within seven months of each other. So that's pressure on their ground crew, their sponsors, the whole organization of the thing. And it could potentially throw off when they drop the overseed for the 2021 masters, because I would imagine that usually happens in September. So there's a few things that I think could cause them to say, look, that's just not our style to host two masters within seven months of each other and potentially um, not be able to put on the absolute best golf tournament that they want to put on. So I would probably err on the side that it's not going to happen, but I'm hopeful that it does happen. So it kind of, that kind of leads me into my next question though, as far as like, let's just say it doesn't happen. I mean, what are they going to do as far as the qualifications for the players that get in? I mean, are they just going to, are they going to continue it? So you'll have one of the largest fields you've probably ever seen in the masters, or are they going to maybe cut it off at some point if they were to postpone it or or not play it in 2020 and play it in 2021? I mean, I, I I just, I wonder how they'll do that. And, and hopefully, and I can't imagine them taking away any invitations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have the slightest clue of what they'll decide. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, that's one of those places that, you know, they make their decisions and, you know, they usually think through them really well. Um, I would think that everybody who would have been exempt this year will be exempt next year. And I think they'll just play with a bigger field as much as they probably don't like to do it that way. I think they would make that one. I think they'd make the, I think they'd rather make the exception and have one year of 120 man field, then have two years, seven months apart, you know, maybe without their best um, atmosphere. So let's, let's switch over to uh, some bulldog stuff. Any good UGA golf stories? Um, you know, I know you won the natty uh, with kids mm-hmm. and back in 2005, I believe it was. So any, any good stories right. from those days? Man, we had so much fun. Um, Obviously, Kiz being, you know, the big personality <laughs> that he was, you know, he always uh, he always kept things entertaining, whether we were on the road or whether we were at home and going to class or going out or practicing and gambling. So he hasn't changed a bit, so, right? He hasn't changed a bit. He has not changed a bit. Absolutely not. I mean, no. He's always been, like, the guy that can be real polished or real fun, just depending on the moment. He can kind of switch gears real fast on you. Um, uh, but I would say one of our favorite memories, and I'd say everybody on that team, whether this was 04 or 05, I can't remember, but we were in the van going down from Athens to Georgia Southern Statesboro for their golf tournament in the spring. And we're playing this, uh, five card, uh, game called Tunk that we, that we play a lot. 
And uh, so we're playing in the van. And I was a pretty lucky gambler at that time. And I just kept, you know, laying down. It's kind of like a five-card gin game. And I would lay down with one or two, one or two points. And I was winning a bunch of money. And Coach Hat got real mad because Coach Hat's really competitive. And even though, you know, we're not playing for a ton of money, I was up maybe 50 or 100 bucks or something. He got really mad. And he took the cards and he pushed one of those stupid little van windows out and he just started filtering the cards out the window and just said, <laughs> said fuck you guys, I'm not playing with you anymore. <laughs> and it, the van just fell silent for about 10 minutes. We were like, damn, coach is pissed. <laughs> but that was a great, that was a great memory for us. Um, I have another good one we, in, uh, in 2006 in the fall. It was Brian Harmon's uh, freshman year. And we're out in Bend, Oregon, playing the preview for NCAAs. And uh, we're in the van, leaving the golf course, and we're turning left onto this two-lane road. Speed limit's 55, and Hacker pulls out in front of this yellow Xterra. You know that big Nissan SUV back in the day <laughs> yeah. that was popular. Yeah, the yellow ones were very. <laughs> and this popular. guy is pissed. I mean, this guy's like, he's riding our ass for three miles down the road, <clears throat> and Hacker's kind of getting hot like what's this guy doing and so uh the guy we he finds a dotted line he passes us and about a mile later he pulls into a gas station and hacker cruises on i think we would have stopped at this gas station no matter what but he kind of cruises in there and parks <laughs> next to him and uh we all get out and we, we you know we're just going in to buy like a soda and go to the bathroom or something and this mountain of a man gets out of the xterra <laughs> Bald guy, you know, cut off tank top on, huge arms, goatee. I mean, he looks like a, looks like he's, you know, a mountain man, like he chops wood for a living. And he goes in and we're all like, oh, shit, maybe we'll steer clear of this guy. So we go in and, you know, get our snacks and our sodas and stuff. And <laughs> Harmon's kind of eyeing the guy. The guy looks over at him and says, what are you looking at, cock bite? <laughs> and so he Harmon very quickly became cockbite for a month until he couldn't handle it. How is he still <laughs> not cockbite? Like I can't even imagine that yeah, ever like, relenting. You know Harmon, he, he doesn't he doesn't like get he likes to give the shit. He doesn't like to get the shit. <laughs> oh, Harmon should be the last person to I mean that, I mean I I'm he's he's another DGD, but he's He's a very short guy. <laughs> well, I mean, he's probably yeah. that makes him more feisty, though. I mean, yeah, you just <laughs> crawl on your head. Yeah, no doubt. He's a, he's a fiery one, man. He was he was fun to have on the team. All right, so I've got a few listener questions here that I'm going to hit. These are going to be quick hitters for you, uh, Brendan. So yeah. here we go. Um, all right, from at three jacks golf, most embarrassing shot you've ever hit in a tournament. Well, I can't say there's really one um, that sticks out, but I can tell you I've been through hell and back when it comes to uh, bad shots in tournament golf. I mean, I've hit so many shots 50 yards right out of bounds that, you know, the humiliation sets in and it doesn't, it doesn't lift for nine holes or maybe nine years. But um, I, I, can't, I can't name one. I've hit too many bad ones. I'll All right there. Yeah, <laughs> me too. At J Schmidt 139 says, who is your favorite European tour player? Graham McDowell. He's always like a blast him. to play with, man. That guy's, he's just, you know, he's, he's exactly who you think he is. He's got a, you know, great competitive attitude. He's, uh, he's polite. he, shoots the shit and uh you know he just kind of keeps it real out there yeah i can definitely believe that all right from at cm sigler seven he says your what who is what is your favorite tour stop based on food alone probably new orleans Man, new orleans brings the food. New orleans. Yeah. that's what i was gonna it's say so it's good. yeah yeah what's your, what's, your awesome. what's the thing like that you when you're when new orleans is on the schedule you're like oh i can't wait to get blank Charbroiled oysters. 
You know, it's just oysters is something I don't really eat anywhere else in the country except for that week. And charbroiled oysters are incredible. Yeah, Watkinsville, not really a hotbed of oysters. (laughs) At FJF716, do you look at at your straight skein data to to determine what you need to improve on? I do a little bit. Um, I think that we all know where our strengths and weaknesses are. Um, for example, like, I mean, I drive the ball 280 to 285. You know, I'm not long. So I'm not going to look at my strokes gained off the tee and beat myself up. Because if I'm hitting, if I'm third in accuracy and 220th in distance, well, my strokes gain is never going to be that good. So, um, but you know, that I think you just want to kind of be tour average in most of the categories and have a strength or two, you know, that's, that's kind of the ticket to, to success out there. Um, you know, definitely the years where I was struggling, I mean, I was losing two shots around, you know, into the greens, maybe even more. So, um, those, those stats were, it was pretty obvious that that's where I had to improve, but I mean, any Joe Blow could have walked around with me and watched me spray five irons into the woods and be like, yeah, you got to get a little better with your iron play. Um, all right. From at, at Marco Powerpuff, I like he this says, one. yeah, one. I like this one too. He says, pick, this is definitely uh, a, a question of the, the current times. He wait, says, wait, pick, did you say his name was Powerpuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marco Powerpuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a good question. He's got a, don't, don't hate the Twitter handle. Love the question. Pick one golfer, one musician, and one actor that you have to quarantine with, and who is who? Who does it? Who will it be? That's a great question. Isn't that um, a good question? That's a good one from him. Man, because this is like this is man crush world, right? It is. Yeah, it's it is. kind of yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of, yeah. one one guy who I've roomed with on the road a ton in the last couple of years is Sepp Straka, who's a, a DGD. And he's yeah. so easy to be around. He's so fun. And we've done everything from watch everything on Netflix to play a thousand games of gym. So I'm quarantining with Sepp Straka. Um, okay. I'm probably picking mm, either Dave Matthews or Jack Johnson, mm, uh, okay. musician. And then okay. actor. I mean, is can it be an actress? Yeah, of uh, course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Scarlett Johansson or Jessica Biel there oh. on the actress side. Okay. And if it's not there, uh, if I've got to go, guy, man, Seth Rogen seems like he'd be a lot of fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like that answer. That's a good. Yeah. One. Okay. That you probably wouldn't. Think you could have some well pretty good parties. With, you could have some pretty <laughs> good parties with those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Sep, next time you see Sep, remind him, he probably doesn't remember, I barely remember, but being hammered at Kisner's foundation event, he <laughs> promised us he mm-hmm. would come on the podcast and he is dodging the, the piss out of us right now. So remind him of that. Uh, um, also, um, I should I probably love to give him a hard time. So that'll be easy. Great. Also, I should probably apologize to you formally on the podcast because I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, because Brendan was, was there. I mean, like I was all <laughs> over. I was. I probably said a few things to you that night. That was a night I am not proud of. A lot of things happened for me that <laughs> evening. It got way out of hand. Um, it was one of those. You know, I feel like everybody's had one of these nights where you get so obliterated that it, it changes your life for the next few months. You know what I mean? Like, it, like you, you get continuing like, to apologize to people that you don't know why well, you no, had then, to, but well, yeah, that, that too. But it's just one of those where like, it sets you straight for a few months. Like you're like, I'm never yeah, I'm not no doing doubt. that again. You know what I mean? I mean, so many people night. had that experience that night. Um, <laughs> fortunately for you, you guys, um, you know, we met, pretty early on at the concert and we talked about doing the podcast and I said, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah. And I was there with my wife, Rachel. So, you know, we okay. kept it pretty low key. We thought everybody was going to come back to the house at Sage to, you know, have fun and stay up that night. So we caught one of the shuttles at like 11, 1130 back there thinking everybody was doing that. Cause we didn't know there was going to be a DJ after the country artist played. 
Yeah. So we get back there and Duff's sitting on the couch with his girlfriend and we're like, Hey man, what's going on? You didn't go to the party. He goes, he literally one line. He goes, I watch football on Saturdays. And I was like, oh, you're about as, in- you're about as interesting as I thought you were. Okay. <laughs> and so my wife and I went to bed and we woke up and everybody basically had the same night you did where they came out and they're like, oh, oh. my God, I'm so hungover. Oh. You know, like uh, Kevin Chapel came out in like a chicken costume. Bryce Garnett <laughs> didn't get out of bed till it was tea time. I mean, that was a, that was definitely a rough evening. Me and Bryce, me and Bryce went went deep into the sauce that evening. Actually, I, I tell I told Pat I was like, "Look, dude, you get me with some free booze <laughs> and a DJ, and I am in trouble." Like as soon as they went from the live artist to a DJ, when when the yeah. DJ's playing bangers, I am not. I am. I, I need to be on one to one. Somebody needs to be handling me. And Bryce, I think, is the same kind of guy because me and him, me and him threw down that evening. I do remember that. Um, but yeah, that's that so was... good. I mean, part, part of me was <laughs> mad that I didn't stay around for the DJ cause I missed that and I would have been right there with you. Yeah. But the other part of me was so glad that I got some sleep that night and I felt good and I ended up winning the Mayakoba that next week. So, that's I mean, I definitely think that that was a life changing night for me that I had my wife and didn't get hammered. You made incredible decisions. I don't think I could have played that well if I would have, you know, gone to 4 a.m. that night like kids did. No, that to when you do that in front of the wife, man, like that's big points for you. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that carries a long. I need way. all the big points I can get. She's seen <laughs> she's seen plenty of uh, nights the other way. Uh, as uh, as has right. we, we digress <laughs> about the kids. Yeah, we do. I, but I think you know, it's I funny because. Managed to apologize to everyone that was there that night. I think Brendan's yes. the last one. <laughs> so now you're apologizing to Brendan. But the you know what's funny is – nobody. Everybody was in the same boat, man. You're safe. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the way I think about it. Is what's funny is that I was not the one that was in this situation. Yeah, usually it's Pat. Because usually it's me. Um, <laughs> usually it's Pat. All right, I got a few more questions here. I got one more Twitter uh, question, then I got a few more, and then we'll let DB – close us up but um all right so from this is from at the degenerate 75 he says the coolest guy off the course uh that you know of and then other than slow play what would be other reasons you'd not look forward to being paired with a guy in a round i love kids off the golf course i think he's just a character so i'm going kids there (laughs) and then uh what was the second part so other than slow play, so take that out of the equation, what would be, you know, a reason you'd not look forward to being paired with a guy in a round? So, you know, a lot of people, we obviously we hear they don't want to be paired with a guy because they're slow play, but what's another reason you might not want to be paired with somebody? Oh, man. The guy that talks about every one of his shots out loud to his caddy or to whoever will listen, 24-7, 18 holes. I mean – that guy needs to just be kicked off a cliff, you know, and there's a handful of them out there. Mm. They're miserable every time. And you're just like, buddy, nobody cares where and why you hit it over there. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's probably the top thing. And if it's not that, it's just, you know, the, the guy who has to move every volunteer um, <laughs> because, you know, he's so thin skinned and rabbit eared that he, can't hit a shot without moving the every volunteer. Nice. I mean, there's players and carriers that cannot hit a shot without moving people around. And I just can't figure out how they got to that point. Last question for me, and then I'm going to let uh, DB close us out. But what would be the number one course on your bucket list of all the courses in the world that you've never played before? What What would be number one? I think it was uh, the President's Cup and – December, Royal Melbourne, that's the one I always remember watching on TV growing up thinking that place looked so cool and, you know, it would have been sweet to go play the President's Cup there. But, um, yeah, that's that's number one right now. Here's a scenario for you. You're coming down the stretch late on Friday. you got nine holes to play. You know, we, we do a lot of, like – On Friday? Yeah, this is on Friday. you got nine holes okay. left on a okay. Friday. <laughs> uh, 
we do a lot of like DFS, you know, daily fantasy golf and betting on golf and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're always sweating the guys that are on the fringe making the cut. Right. So, you know, because we need our guys to play in the weekend, but if that's you in real life and you've got, you're, you're coming on your, your last nine on Friday, you're one to two shots or more, whatever, outside the cut line, what changes for you? If anything changes for you, what, what are you, what are you doing on that back nine? That's any different. Oh, you're focusing harder. There's no doubt. I mean, you, it's got your full attention. Um, and you're just trying to grind out birdie putt after birdie putt after birdie putt. That's really, I think what it comes down to, like how many birdie putts can I provide? And then, uh, you know, you just hope a couple of them go in. But the thing is, if you're in that situation, you're probably around par or maybe even over par if you're two shots yeah. out. So you're not playing your best. And um, that's, that's the trickiest part of that scenario. You know, you're, you're late in the week. You've already been there for four days. You've played 27 holes. Your game is where it is. It, it's hard to find lightning in a bottle. So, you know, most guys that start two shots out, going to the back nine on Friday, miss more cuts than they make. And so, you know, I think you just try to consistently play your game and uh, focus a little more and hope some putts go in. Are you watching scoreboards or anything like that to see if, you know, how things are moving or what direction the cut is headed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. The only time I – the only – there's been some weeks where I've said I'm not going to look at boards and that's – Usually weeks where I'm playing really good and I'm up near the lead, and I just say, I'm sticking with this strategy this week. And then there's weeks where you're not near the lead and you're kind of always watching it. All right, I've got one more, and then I'm going to hit you with some quick ones and we're going to be done. Um, We've talked about this a little bit already. Other than Phil, who's the biggest gambler on tour? Uh, Well, for a long time it was like Phil, Ricky, Keegan, and Brennan Steele always played a match. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure in like this current era, you know, those guys <clears throat> probably threw a bunch of money around, but I know Jason Duffner and Pat and Kazire love to gamble. Yeah. And I'm sure that, uh, I'd say those two guys throw a ton of money around, but you know, me not being in the fold, you know, for a long time, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm very knowledgeable on that, that topic. Well, if you're home at Athens Country Club, you're playing with some buddies. What's well, your game of choice if you're going to have a game? I like to play you know, like ten dollars a hole, ten dollar birdies. Keeps it fairly friendly. Uh, if you go shoot sixty four, you can win a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes we'll play like a twenty dollar Nassau auto two downs or something, but it's pretty basic. There's nothing. I'm not. I, I love to gamble, but you know when I'm playing with my friends or whatever, it's, I'd rather not get feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. All right. I agree with some, that. <laughs> here's some, here's some quick ones for you and we'll get you out of here, Brendan. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been great. Have you ever been in a fist fight? Seventh grade school bus. This kid, uh, he started messing up my art project and he was, sitting with his back to the window and I stuck him right in the face. <laughs> and then uh, co- coincidentally about five years later, I'm walking into a party my sophomore year in high school. And for some reason, right when I walk in this door, this kid from like the rival high school football player just knocked me right in the nose. And Oof. I mean, I spent the night with a beer in my hand and a bag of ice on my nose. So I wouldn't say either one were fist fights, but yeah, I've come to blows a couple of times. You gave one, you took one. All right, um, <laughs> exactly. Have you ever been hung over during a tournament round? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, any good story? Not there proud of it, but it happens. Yeah. I definitely have. I, I can't say it's a memorable story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, favorite funny movie? I hate to say Caddyshack a thousand times, but. I love Caddyshack. Come on, man. That's so cliche. So cliche, isn't it? But that's the one I grew up watching. Uh, but it's good. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, it's, bro. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's not funny, though. 
It's not that funny. I mean, it's Dave, funny. DB is looking for – if you had just mentioned the movie with Will Ferrell, he would have been like, okay, oh, that's, that's a good good answer. We're, we're moving on. That's all he wanted to hear. <laughs> the other guy. Wedding, Crasher, Wedding Crashers is probably the other go-to. Okay, that's a good one. That's a classic. Are you binging? Now, I know you, you said you got the five, three, and one-year-old, but if you're like – if y'all are like me and my wife, like we get the kids to bed and we just – you know, then we go crash and watch something before it's bedtime or whatever – are you binge watching anything while on quarantine or is there anything that you would like to binge watch? We've been told to watch Shit's Creek on Netflix. Is that any good? I haven't seen that. Have you seen it, Pat? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it either. Okay. I haven't. I'd like Let to watch know. Narcos. Oh, love Narcos. But I have not gotten into it yet. So you I'd say Narcos is – no, that's my number one. <sighs> yeah. Because, I mean, I just missed it. So it's it's – way past me now all right you're on death row what's your final meal before you you get fried up oh man fried chicken mac and cheese collard greens just this mm, hot sauce over all of it okay <laughs> sweet tea that was quick all right last one <laughs> if you were guaranteed a master's victory but the one stipulation was that you had to in front of god knows how many people you had to go streaking through the quad at UGA. Would you? Would you do it? Oh my God! Yes. How many times I can I, I do it? How many times can I do it? I think I would too. Yeah. Think, Let's go. Cool. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> You're like I did that my sophomore year. I didn't even get a green jacket for it. Right. Um, awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate the time. I would time. streak for uh, every tour win if I had to. If I, if you could say you can win fifty. As you can say, you can go from three to 50 tour wins, but you have to streak in the quad every time. Let's yeah. go. I'll take them. 47 more streaks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you, Brendan. We, uh, we appreciate it, man. We'd love, to, Thank you love guys. to have you back on one of these days in the future. We hope you have a great quarantine. You guys stay safe. Um, Likewise. Helps and, your families. Yeah, whenever the, the tour gets back up and running, we'll uh, obviously continue to pull for you, and we, we – pretty sure you, you probably made some new fans with our listeners and uh you know maybe we'll see you in augusta we're, we're i'm in augusta i live in augusta so maybe we'll see you in augusta right that's what i thought one the masters up there. perfect or we'll just not see you in the so. masters and party with the kisner foundation event yeah i'm sure that's coming up in the fall see you there yep. either way we'll see you in augusta in the fall yep hopefully i can see remember you guys. thank you thanks dude <laughs> maybe i see won't ya. this time <laughs> see ya see you Brent. <laughs>